I want you to picture, uh, it's tough, I, I, it's interesting. I, I remember when I was younger, and I keep saying that phrase with different perspective as things move on, but I remember every place you looked, especially in school, there was a globe. Remember those things? Those round things that would spin? I remember just kind of just spinning them and see how fast I could make it go. I want you to picture if there's a globe sitting in front of me, a globe of our planet. If you believe that globe, this planet, is all that there is, then you believe in a closed system. If you believe this world is all that there is, then you have to believe that this world depends primarily on things like politics and science and education to solve the human condition. If you believe this world is all that there is, then you're probably going to be a little bit more focused to the point of maybe being out of balance, I want to be careful there, on a passion for the environment, which I do have one, and I'll explain more about that in a moment. If you believe that this world is all that there is, then you believe you're just one part, one rung on an evolutionary ladder. If you believe that this world is all that there is, then you have a hope. It's more like a wish. As time marches on, that humanity will somehow, all on its own, become more moral and more humane. I don't believe this world is all that there is. And I never will believe this world is all that there is. Because of that, I believe that there is a God that exists outside of this world and independent of this world. I believe that because there is a God who exists, that he can use things like politics and science and education without having to put them up on a pedestal where they become basically idols. I believe that since God exists and this world is not all that there is, that I believe this world is his handiwork and that we as his stewards have an obligation to take good care of it like we haven't. In other words, knowing God changes everything. Knowing God is the only way to truly bring meaning and purpose to a life. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 8, you know the verse where Paul says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Knowing God is more important than how much money you have. Knowing God is more important than how much money you don't have. Knowing God is more important than how good you look. Now, admittedly, you're all really gorgeous. Only a few thank yous there. Wow, issues here. But knowing God is more important than any of that. Knowing God intimately truly brings quality. Everyone talks about wanting to have a quality life. You need to get close to Jesus in, in order to be able to have that level of quality. The way he designed you to be 
to enter your life. And we can determine how well we know him. How am I going to be able to figure this out, Pastor? How well, how can I see or get a glimpse of how well I know him? How much praise is inspired within me? How much praise do I give him? This Psalm 145 is one of the most expressive passages in all the Bible. (coughs) I believe that when the praises of God's people fill the churches and fill our lives, we will see revival in our land. And we are starting to hear about it throughout this country. Yes, we need to humble ourselves. The Bible is clear about that. And by we, I mean the church. We need to not only humble ourselves, but come into his presence as God's people with repentant hearts. It's not enough to be able to point to all the nonsense out there. We need to deal with all the nonsense in here. And yes, the church in this nation, but as well as around the world, needs a wake-up call. All of this is true. But we also need to be a church that is willing to lift up praises to the mountaintops. No matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what we're going through, I will give God all praise at all times. So there's a, a, a phrase that becomes a litany in churches. You've all heard it and done it. God is good. And all the time. So if ever there was a message I was going to run that, it's going to be today. God is good. You'll get it. And all the time. Now, I'm going to read the entire psalm, so hopefully I won't lose you. Psalm 145. Now I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. I will extol you, my God, the king. I will praise your name forever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty works. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. His compa- he has compassion on all he has made. And all your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to him, and you give them their food at the proper time. Your open You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the 
in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Someone give God praise after reading that in this place. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. We need to be a people who choose to offer God praise in every situation. If we truly believe that he is good all the time. Now, there are only three things. Well, there are probably a number of things, but there are three things I'm going to focus on today. As to what would get in the way of God's people lifting up praise to his name. And one is that we don't understand or somehow have become ignorant of why we should give him praise. I don't understand that. God's creation is magnificent. God's power in your life and in my life is evident. A second reason is that we desire to do our own thing. We become selfish. We try to make it a sign of maturity when it really is a sign of pride when we turn to God and say, I got this, when we don't. And the sadder part, the third possibility is that we don't, for some reason, trust him. You know, it's easy to look at God and, and, and look at people who are arrogant and point at God with their finger and say, I don't want any part of you. And we, we call that pride, that they believe they're self-sufficient, they can do whatever they want, and I depend on myself and I don't need anybody else. We can easily look at that and call that arrogance and pride. That they're basically saying to God, I'm able to do better than you. However, it's also pride when we do the same thing because of hurt. That because of situations we've gone through or different things that we've experienced, we say not in anger or in arrogance, but in pain, I'm not sure I trust you anymore. But people, God is good all the time. And even when we've gone through things, we know that we can turn to him. Now, why should God be praised? Wonderful question. Because of his pure goodness. But on the bottom line, no matter how long we've been walking with him, and many have been walking with him for a long time, we still really don't know how good God is how deeply good he is. David declares in verse number seven that his goodness is abundant. 17 times in the psalm that I read, the word all or every was used. And I don't want us to miss a single one of them. Verse two encourages us to bless God every day. That doesn't mean that includes... uh, might step on some toes here, but that includes Monday. Even on Mondays. Everybody ever have a Monday? Monday can be Monday sometimes, can't it? I heard someone say, why can't we just take Monday out of the, cal- uh, out of the calendar? Well, because then we'd complain about Tuesday. Whatever the first day back to work is, we would complain about that day. But God's goodness, he encourages us to, David encourages us to bless God every day. 
So every day that ends in a Y, we're supposed to give God praise and glory. Verse number nine says that God is good to all and, and, he, and he gives mercy to all. Mercy to all. Now you understand that mercy is being given something good that you don't deserve. So what he's giving is mercy to all. Because no one deserves the goodness of God. No one deserves his blessing. No one deserves to have his love shower their lives the way it does in all of us. God is good to all. That's why I... I pray for those who have this mindset that God's not been good to me. Yes, he has. God's been good, and he's been good to all, and his mercy covers all. Verse 10 says that all his works will give him praise. All his works. Now, we can look at that phrase, and oftentimes, especially we as Christians, we look at a beautiful sunset, or we'll look at a mountain scheme, or some of the pictures that you'll see in the calendar that we produced for 2023. And we'll look at all of these natural occurring things and say his works are giving him praise. But you do realize when it talks about his works giving him praise, that includes you and me. That includes not just his natural creation, that, and we're involved in that as well. All his works give him praise. Verse number 13 says, his reign is over all generations. Anyone concerned about the state of faith in this generation? I know I am. But you know what? God's got it. His reign is over all generations. I may need to do my part. I may need to get in tune with what God wants to do through his spirit in this day. But when it comes right down to it, God was able to take care of people in past generations. And he will be able to take care of every generation until he appears in the clouds. God, his reign, his rule, his absolute authority is over all generations. Verse 14 says, the Lord upholds all who fall. Anyone willing to admit they've fallen once or twice in life? We all fall, and he upholds all who fall. Verse 15 says that, the eyes of all look to him for food and that he provides. I know many of you can have as your testimony in life that God has been your provider. When you didn't know what was coming and when you had no idea where things were coming from, and that provision isn't just about money or, or things like that. God is our provider. How many times have we often said to ourselves when for some reason we were getting into the car and right away it didn't start, and then eventually it did, and you wonder what God prevented you from being near. Because God is our provider. Verse 16 says that God, God's open hand satisfies every living thing. You know, that's something that we have an issue with in this culture today. Everyone wants so much and is satisfied with nothing. We just don't seem to be able to find that level of place where we can have his contentment. And even the phrase contentment is seen as something less. Now, I don't believe the word contentment is equal to the word complacent. But when it comes to the things that God has provided, when it comes to the things that God has placed in my life, I can tell you right now, you are looking at a contentment. 
I am content because I have Jesus in my life and the blessings he has put there. Verse 17 says that God is righteous in all his ways. And I don't know anybody else who even compares to being righteous in most of their ways. Verse 18 says that the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that you don't have to make an appointment, that you don't have to dial long distance, that you don't have to get a special cell phone or some type of special Wi-Fi device, that God is near to all who call on him, but there's a condition. It says call on him in truth. In many of your translations, it may say in sincerity. That means when you call upon him, it needs to, that you need, need to mean business. I've often said to a lot of people throughout my ministry, and it, because I want to be a servant, and I want to let people know that I care. So I'll say, if you ever have a need, just call me, and we can talk any time of the day or night. But then I put a stipulation. If you call me at 2 in the morning, it better be good. It, 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 it better be good. If you call me at 2 in the morning just to chat, I'm going to hang up on you. So, I was, in fact, I was chatting with someone Friday night about this. And I said, if you call me at 2 in the morning, the first phrase better not be, hey, pastor, how you doing? I better hear terror in your voice or something going on. But we're there for each other. But God is near to all who call. And verse 20 says, he watches over all who love him. Do you love him today? But then David goes off the rails. All these wonderful things, all these positive expressions, all these really upbeat things. And then he ends verse 20 by saying, but he destroys all. All of the wicked. Man, King David, you were doing so well. Most people in this world walk around every day completely oblivious to how much of the grace of God is working in their lives. See, I want to talk today about two different types of grace. Common grace and saving grace. Common grace is grace everybody gets. Every single person breathing on this planet today is a, is a recipient of God's common grace. You know the verse from Matthew chapter 5 where he says it caught, he sends it to rain on the just and the unjust. He also sends sunshine on the just and the unjust. The only reason there is beauty in this world is because of the grace of God. The only reason there is anything positive in this world is because of the grace of God. The only reason we can enjoy anything is because of the grace of God. If his common grace were removed, we would truly see chaos and anarchy like we could never imagine. That's common grace. Without common grace holding things together, as crazy as things may seem right now, that would be true evil. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, we know the verse, but the end of it really it's home for me. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind 
to the ungrateful and the wicked. Our God is kind to people that we would consider not worthy of kindness. Our God is kind and loving to people we would consider who not only don't deserve those things, but have begun to present themselves in ways that make it difficult to do so. And last I checked, our job as Christians is to be like him. So we need to be kind to these people. But then, that's common grace. Common grace in everyone's life sitting here and everyone's life listening to me today. Common grace in your life has an expiration date. And it's the day you die. Then only grace that matters at that point is that you have saving grace. That you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. That you are going to be able to stand before him and that you have given him your all in this life. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and that no one comes to God the Father except through me. Now, I've I've had people argue with me over the years. Well, that's closed-minded. How could you even say that Jesus is the only way? That doesn't make any, that doesn't seem fair. After all, and they begin to come at me and argue with me at really high levels. And I just remind them, you know that book you're arguing with me about? I didn't write it. You got a problem? Go talk to the author. In fact, he would love to have a conversation with you. I want revival in this land. I want revival in the church. But not for many of the reasons that I've heard so many people claim. First of all, revival is not for the world. It's for the church. And, this, and the church in our culture, in our American context, needs revival. The problem with our country and our culture is not that we embrace certain things. It's that the church has begun to embrace certain things. The problem with our country and culture is not that we've begun to redefine marriage. It's that the church has accepted it and even begun to celebrate it. The fact and the problem with our country and culture is not that we can't seem to figure out when life begins. It's that the church can't seem to figure out when life begins. The problem with our country and culture is not its liberal social agendas. It's that that seems to be something that's being celebrated and accepted and embraced within the church. It's the church that needs to wake up, not America. It's the people of God that need to get on their knees and get right with God and get back with God and get on his agenda and be a witness for him. And then we will see revival in our land. It's not America that needs a wake-up call. It's the American church that needs a wake-up call. I've heard so many say, and so I don't want anyone to think I'm picking on them because I've heard so many people say it that we need to get back to the way things were 40 or 50 years ago. I disagree. First of all, the way things are, God warned us. He told us in the Bible it was going to get like this. So why am I going to get upset that God kept his promise? And he told me there was going to be nonsense. He told me that people would fall away. He told me all these things would happen. And 
he told me that they were a prelude to some marvelous events for the church. So I have no desire to go back. Would I like to see less crime in our land? Of course. Would I like to be able to look at my phone notifications and not see a, a, um, a report of a mass shooting? Absolutely. Would I like to see a whole lot of things change with regard to social agendas without question. But I know that they are signs of a time that we are near and God is about to do something amazing as he preludes him coming back to take his church. So my goal is not that we be able to go back to the leave it to beaver days. And if you don't know who leave it to beaver is, I am so sorry. We need a wake-up call. But as all the things that need to happen, this can happen by also God's people coming together and just realizing how good he is. Has he been good to you? That should stir us. He has been so, so good. So many things can happen in our lives that make us aware that we were completely oblivious to where things were going with us, whether it be financially or medically or whatever. And then all of a sudden, God, something, God does something or makes something known to you. And now you realize, God, you were so good to me. So good to me. So church, we need to bow before him. Yes, the condition of this world is a mess. We need to praise his name. We need to praise his name. And if we need reasons to figure out why to praise his name, Psalm 145 is a great place to start. In fact, it begins a litany of psalms that ends with Psalm 150, one of the greatest praise psalms of all. We need to not only praise him when we gather together. We need to live lives that bear witness to the fact that God is good. And that all the time, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing a song.